0: Hi, I'm Sam Fuqua from Well, That Went Sideways. The Sideways pod team is excited to introduce a new podcast by one of the most inspiring guests we've ever interviewed. In our first episode, we had the honor of interviewing Loretta J. Ross. She's launched a new podcast called Dread Feminist with Loretta J. Ross, and we'd like you to check out her first episode. It discusses the events that took place at the Capitol on January 6th We hope you'll follow Dread Feminist with Loretta J. Ross as it launches, and we appreciate Loretta Ross for her critical contribution toward ending oppression in all of its forms.
1: Welcome to Dread Feminist Podcast with Loretta J. Ross. I'm joined today by another Dread Feminist, Daison Dixon-Jallo, founder of Sister Love Incorporated. Say hi, Daison. Hi, Loretta. Our topic today is Black women in Georgia are pissed. Why are we mad? Hmm. On Tuesday, January 5th, we elected Raphael Rahner and John Ossoff to the Senate. We flipped the Senate to Democratic control and turned Georgia blue, demonstrating black women's power. And we're gonna have to thank Stacey Abrams, Nisei fought, Natasha Brown, Malika Redmond, all the black women and men and people of color and the 40% of white people who came out and helped us flip this state. But less than six hours later, we witnessed that hated, Confederate flag flying in the U.S. Capitol. Black women always knew this could happen because white folks are afraid of our Black power. They're afraid of Black folks. They're afraid of Mexicans. They're afraid of Muslims, immigrants, queer folks, disabled folks, anybody they don't consider their people. What they're not afraid of is cops. Why is that,
0: Dazon? You know, <laughs> first of all, congratulations, Georgia. We have turned the peach blue and we are still flipping houses. And I am so proud of us and other folks, too, like Helen Butler and uh, all the other folks that you have named who did such an incredible job of pulling folks Uh, out into the polls and getting us registered and fighting for those who were already registered so you ask why is that that they're not afraid of cops is because cops are their friends you know that's their perception the police force the law enforcement system historically speaking wasn't built for them it was built for us not in favor of us but against us and so just like we have the Karens and the Beckys, and all of the folks that think calling p- police officers and using their racial privilege to either assault or to punitively treat other black folk and other brown folks, that's their privilege. Cops are their friends. Did you see? Not only did they go in there unafraid, they were taking selfies. They were able to walk through the doors of the Capitol. I have never been to the Capitol where we didn't have to walk through a magnetron, where we didn't have to make sure our bags were empty, that we didn't have metal on us, all of those kinds of things. They crunk up in the Capitol with guns and with weapons and other things that they were wielding to hurt people with. I mean, they killed a Capitol officer, a security officer at the Capitol. So they're not afraid of them because they're their friends
1: calling him Trump's terrorists, the terrorists in the streets and the terrorists in blue. Because we are we really witnessing what could be called the continuing Civil War. The Civil War never ended in 1865. It's been visited on Black people ever since 1865. Excuse me, and it ain't over. Because these racists never retreat, they just regroup. And they come back and they finally found... A national president, since Wildrow Wilson was the first, by the way, a national president who was willing to coddle them, encourage them, and openly declare that they're continuing the Civil War to see if they can win it this time around. And the thing that I'm most afraid of, if this doesn't call for reckoning with law enforcement across America so that they can use their Internet records, their employment records, the words that they say, and the police brutality that they commit to finally purge these people out of law enforcement, we're always gonna be at risk of a civil war because it's just not the demonstrators in the street, it's the demonstrators behind badges that have official permission to murder and brutalize queer folk, trans folks, black folks, whoever they want to, so that they can continue to surround themselves with the vestiges of white power.
0: Absolutely. I am so pissed,
1: I can't even, I just want to just scream, and I can't say all the words I want to say <laughs> on radio. Like, I really want to, because
0: I am pissed to the heights of pissivity, like Robin used to say. Absolutely. What pisses me off is not just the fact that they have the hubris, right, to... Uh, Feel the privilege and just not the fear. I mean, there were folks walking around with their even their work badges on as if it's okay. And you know what it reminded me of talking about pissed off. It reminded me of the cop that murdered George Floyd, who sat for eight minutes and 46 seconds with his knee on this brother's neck looking dead at the camera looking dead into the camera like uh which side is my best side because i want to make sure you get this because nothing is going to happen to me and let's take that all the way back to the very culprit that sent these people up the street to the capitol in the first place who was the same man who said that he could walk down fifth avenue and shoot somebody in cold blood and nothing would happen to him same. Apparently he can blow up the Capitol too and nothing will happen to
1: him if they don't impeach his Well, ass. there
0: we go with that. And see, now now I know we're going to get into this in a little bit, but what I'm concerned about is what I'm calling these namby-pamby, across the aisle, can't we all just get along kind of folks who are afraid of the right, who are afraid of these extremists, who are afraid of the white supremacists because they're afraid of their of their voting power. And what pisses me off is that when you show us that fear, that means you are disrespecting, discounting and not giving respect to the voting power that you have, which is in black and brown folk, especially black women. So you want to know why I'm pissed is because I feel like and I said this the other day on another conversation is anybody remember the day that Farrah Fawcett died? And I used to love her. I thought she was phenomenal. My mother even had a haircut like Farrah Fawcett. I forgive you. People don't remember the day that Farrah Fawcett died because she died two hours before Michael Jackson in the same hospital. Right. So nobody remembers that day because it was it was all about Michael. And why am I bringing that up? Because on Wednesday, the 6th of this month, this should have been our day to shine. We were sending two Democrats for the first time in over 40 years to the Capitol. A black man and a Jewish man. A black man and a Jewish man, predominantly put there by black people in the state of Georgia. And these folks that went into that Capitol, to the people's house, that my ancestors and all black folk ancestors pretty much built smashed all of that moment for us to shine in terms of that voting power that we just demonstrated which also means we now have to work even that much harder to get that uh, recognition so that we can also call in our chits, if you will, to make sure that our policies and that our communities and that our lives get the, get what we have earned and what we deserve by making sure that the Democratic Party got the positions that they need. I wanna
1: divert for a minute because I'm really tired of black women saving America's ass. Well. I am really tired. Black, Stacey Abrams ain't some superwoman. She's a black woman who's trying to save her community, save democracy, and now they want to act like she's Wonder Woman when we're just preaching common sense, common sense that apparently the people that we are supporting don't seem to have for themselves. What do you think about them validating and valorizing black women like it is our job to be both the mules and the saviors of America at the same
0: time? Well, what I think is interesting is that they have to, Because they don't do it because they can't fashion not taking an individual political superstar trek. Stacey could have taken any level of uh, action in terms of running for another office. She could have run for that Senate seat. She could have taken a type of uh, an appointment from the new administration, but she instead went to work for the people. And that's what most politicians and folks who run for office do not do. They're not they would not sit down off of a seat and then take care of the issues. And that's why black women vote. So yeah, I get I get pissed off about the fact that not only are they, and I love Stacey Abrams, but she was not alone. There's a whole posse of people that did that work with her, right? And she's good at lifting everybody up she doesn't leave anybody behind what i don't like and that's what we can talk about is the cleanup woman that's who we are we're the cleanup woman you already have your woman <laughs> is the woman who right so you go and you make a mess of your relationships right or the country or the country and then here we come cleaning it up again but as a matter of fact not only that we we actually got you those relationships we made sure that you had the opportunity you screwed it up and then we have to come back in and fix it again is and that is so like what black and women of african descent who were enslaved had to do on every single plantation is it not isn't
1: that what obama had to do after george w bush messed up the economy i Absolutely. mean we just keep coming in and cleaning up so i want to I want to switch topics and talk about what's going to come next for these fascists, because Trump is gone, but Trumpism is not. I think that they're going to be targeting people individually for violence. They're going to be walking around and and storming uh, state capitals and election officials and anybody that doesn't agree with their white privilege, white power motives. I am not giving a pass to these, quote, everyday Republicans who don't like the violence, because they're enabling the racism. You don't have to be a racist to enable a racist. And if you are enable a racist, that's good enough for me to call you the R word. You, I, I'm very clear on that. Just like if you're able and misogynist, I'm gonna call you a sexist. I don't care if you personally wouldn't rape a woman. I'm not giving any passes right now because right. I am pissed. But now they're gonna start targeting black leaders. I think Stacey Abrams should have the same kind of security that, that Biden and Harris are gonna need. Because Mm -hmm. they're coming after Stacey. I know this in my heart. Because that's the first thing they do is assassinate Martin. Assassinate Malcolm. Mm -hmm. Assassinate Mm -hmm. anybody that they think is a threat to white power. And I think that they're going to commit a lot of hate crimes against black people. Because I study fascism. I've been studying it since 1990 under the great, late Reverend C.T. Vivian and Leonard Zeskin. I know what these people are going to do. We're gonna see a wave of hate crimes. So now will the Department of Justice under Merrick Garland start seeing this as white domestic terrorism? Will we start seeing the same kind of prosecution of these white folks that we saw over black folks just posting Black Lives Matter on their social media page, getting fired for putting, wearing a Black Lives Matter T-shirt to work? Are we going to see an even-handed system of justice, or are they gonna reify the white justice versus the black justice that we get in this country. We need to be ready. And I'll say one last thing before I turn it over to you. And what's probably gonna even piss me off further is that the white left is gonna be preoccupied with with picking fights with the Biden-Harris administration, while the fascists are gonna be picking fights with democracy and black folks. That's right. I am really pissed even with these people that call themselves our allies, how easily they get distracted by their whiteness while they want to, we claim to be my ally. I am so pissed.
0: Let me tell you something. First of all, I, I would push back just a little bit cause this is what pisses me off. If they do not criminally charge Trump for his previous and the crimes committed just this week for inciting violence, for leading a mob, if you will, for giving basically total permission for folks to go and destroy the Capitol and to put people's lives at risk, then we will continue to hear from him. Only Facebook and Instagram shut him down this week, not Twitter. So he is, I mean, he was shut down for a little bit with Twitter, but he's got a lot more time. That was only like 12 or 24 hours. He still has 80 million people following his lies and his conspiracy theories. And that will continue unless he's locked up. And I mean, or, or at least preoccupied in court case after court case after court case where he is not allowed to do all of that kind of violence formation but not only that they are already targeting the state houses they went up in the capital in arizona and in the state of michigan and they've already been threatening state Oregon. leadership now and i absolutely agree with you that stacy nsay helen and anybody else who has been organizing voters not just in georgia but all over this country who in been-
1: arizona
0: in in Pennsylvania, Voto in Latino Michigan. is at risk, right? So right. even those who are Native organized... Americans are at
1: risk on the reservation. But this, but this here's why war.
0: here and the hate crimes are going to increase because they're not going to have any other outlets, and given this new administration, they're also not going to be given that open welcoming platform that they've had for the last um, four to eight years. Because I'm going to say eight plus years because this all started the minute that what I call the miscreant in chief that the minute that the miscreant in chief went after president obama in terms of his uh birthright right so i i know that because they are now going to be clamped down in terms of their open acceptance that they're going to they don't have any other outlets other than to hurt people but here's my thing loretta yes the left is going to be picking fights with biden and harris and i'm i will be one of those that says we still have as the black women who helped get them in the office, we have every right to hold their feet to the fire on our progressive policies. That's a given. And, and we are not going to be um, subjugated to the other fights that they're going to have against all of this extremism in lieu of not making sure that our policies are protected or that our progressive policies are implemented. So we're still going to have to hold their feet to the fire on this. However from for our community let's be clear what we are witnessing is what is the not even the beginning of the end but people know that they're in the last vestiges of white supremacy and so they're doing everything they can to either crush the majority that's coming which will be younger blacker browner and female destroy the democracy that we are benefiting from this simulance of equity. They don't believe in democracy when they control it. Exactly. And that they're setting up this country to be minority rule. I love, but, but, but what I love about this, as much as I'm pissed, what makes me happy is that they're so besought with their hatred that they can't see that they're shooting themselves in the foot. This very argument to object against the electoral votes means that, oh, So you think we should get rid of the electoral college then? Well, let's go ahead and do that. Let's take care of that. So we won't have this problem for you anymore, right? No, 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 no. That's not what we're talking about. Well, then stop doing that. And you want a mob to come, but now they're coming for you. So now you want, and what you were talking about is these folks that I think act like the firemen that set the fire and then come and try and rescue you can't come back and talk to these people about their violence when you were at the very time that it was happening, were the very one who was continuing to promote the lies and the conspiracy theories that are driving them to the level of insanity that they're actually expressing. So this is what pisses me off is this not just this continued hypocrisy, but this other duplicity that's just consistently dangerous and vile and and that's what pisses me off is that we're not calling it out the way it should be called out. I do want to say I'm hearing for the first time white folks in the media asking that question, if this was black lives matter, would it be the same? All you got to do is see the juxtaposition of the Capitol Police and the National Guard protecting the Lincoln Memorial during a Black Lives Matter protest after the George Floyd murder versus what you saw earlier this week with no National Guard. They were complicit. This was not a failure. This was a strategy. Organized. Organized complicity. And you know this. I'm remembering history. I remember the uptick
1: in abortion violence when a Democrat like Clinton was in office, mm-hmm. when a Democrat like Obama was in office. I'm also going further back. I'm remembering how the Reconstruction was sabotaged by what the white folks called redemption when they made a dirty deal with the Southern Democrats as a way to continue the Civil War on the backs of Black folks for Over 150 years. Yes. And I know that another white redemption is going to try to be mounted. My question is, will the white folks recognize history? They apparently can't recognize fascism instead of voting. You know, I got all these Christians talking about, oh, beware the coming of the Antichrist. Hell, they voted for the Antichrist. Thank you. what, What are they doing? And will they recognize That we're in a new reconstruction, and in fact, there's going to be an attempt to start a new redemption to roll back the the benefits of having a pluralistic and a multiracial democracy. We're going to see a apartheid light. We're going to see the upgrading of social inequality through these social media platforms. Mm -hmm. We're going to be seeing facial recognition uh, technology used wrongly against people that they want. But I do take comfort in the fact that these white boys are demographically doomed because their whole strategy, their whole strategy beyond repression Mm -hmm. depends on forcing white women to have 19 kids in county. Right. And I'm not convinced that enough white women are going to go for that. I already know that more than half of them didn't want Trump in the first place. That's why they did the pink pussy march. But I know that they are not going to go back to being barefoot and pregnant just because some white boy is afraid that his dick is too short. I'm not I'm not going for that anymore. And I'm not sure if I'm supposed to say that on radio, so we might have to edit, edit that out.
0: Fortunately, um, L- fortunately, Loretta, internet radio is not regulated by the same rules as the FCC and you can say whatever you want.
1: That's probably why I had to give up my radio show. <laughs> <laughs> w- but but let, let me say I just ago. want to say
0: that you're you're absolutely right. I, let's not forget that there is not it is not an accident that Senate elect Raphael Warnock is the eleventh in how many different Congresses now the eleventh black person to go to the Senate, the first ever out of the state of Georgia, right? And the fact they said that, that we have more white boys named Mike in the Senate than we've had black people in the history of America. That's hilarious. So <laughs> I'm gonna have to remember that and remind all my <laughs> black folks, please don't name your child Michael no more. And I know okay. we got a lot of Michaels in our families, so that's not the point. But the thing the thing about the profligation of their population is that they have a zero birth rate and that they are dying younger. Their lifespan is actually shrinking right? So the the, opioids, suicide, gun violence, I mean uh, what are these family annihilators? Pretty much. That's a
1: sick population.
0: Right. And so what, what we're seeing is that all that is progressive about achieving the original and the modified aspirations of this experiment called the American Democracy, right, are the biggest threat of, of anything else that they've experienced as a group of people. Right. And so, yes, this cold civil war has now gotten hot. That's what it is. It is not cold anymore. It is in our face. It is hot. And let me tell you something. If they don't want to see, you know, black folks taking up all of our rights toward the second amendment, just as they fight for their own. Yeah. Then it's only going to get hotter that's what I think it's only going to get hotter and so the the part about us making sure that we are ready is that we have to be ready for the current violence we have to be ready for what's coming in terms of the increase in the hate crimes the in the the collapsing of the economy because they've already stolen all of the money the diminution of our social COVID. safety nets right not addressing a pandemic. Making sure
1: 4,000 people died yesterday. How about that? So, they, 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 they're storming the Capitol.
0: So, what is also going to piss me off as a black woman, however, is if we also don't get our politics ready, if we don't get ourselves socially, politically, economically formed to run this country within the next 30, 40 years as the majority that we will be, right? Then we cannot only be pissed at these uh, right-wing zealots and crazy folks and violent, uh, dangerous people. But we also need to be, we have to be accountable to ourselves. And I want to make sure that we just put that in a pen and come back in a couple of decades and say, oh, I remember when she said that.
1: Well, so we also have to hold accountable their enablers. Oh, no because doubt. Because enablers, like Holly, like Cruz, like Mitch McConnell, Yep. I- want the same ground game in Kentucky that we had in Georgia. I want the same ground game in Mississippi, and in Louisiana, Missouri. in Alabama, in Florida, in South and North Carolina, that we had in Georgia. Because as the South goes, America goes. And we've yep. been saying that for 100 years.
0: Well, on another recent... Uh... Uh, webinar that i was participating on it was a young woman who said something so profound she said and this was just before the november election she says today we vote tomorrow we run and what that brings to mind is what sister cory bloom our new representative from the state of missouri cory cory bush excuse me has done and if you didn't know cory bush has put that petition out to her other fellow delegates and Congress people, but also to the rest of us to sign on to the petition to not seat any of these seditionist uh, legislators who have just been sworn in to not allow any of our anybody new, and also to get rid of the ones that we already have. So all of those people that they call the Sedition Caucus, for example, that wanted to support this nonsense about objecting uh, the counts from all of the states, from the electoral counts, they're not the Sedition Caucus. They're the Jim Crow Caucus. Let's be real clear. They are not going after everybody's vote. They're only going after the black vote. I'm not confused about that. So I want to thank people like Corey Bush, who says, not only am I going to stay in the streets, but I'm also going to the House. I'm also going to the Capitol so that I can have even more of a threat, that I can poke some more thorns, that I can also stir up some more consciousness, if you will for the progressive block that's there in the the Congress and in the Senate, but also make sure that the voices from the streets are continuing to give them problems for them trying to advance this whole authoritarian regime that they would rather have in place than what we have been trying to achieve for over 250 years.
1: I'm not calling it authoritarian. I'm calling it fascist.
0: Fascist is good.
1: this, this is coming out of Hitler's playbook, Mussolini's playbook. Yes, it is. You know, we have been warned about this forever. Timothy Snyder has written a wonderful book called On Tyranny that I wish people would read because they used it as a playbook. Yes. But I also want to point out the fact that the voter repression strategies have been reignited in Georgia, even as we talk. Mm-hmm. They're trying to now get rid of absentee voting, mm-hmm. mail-in voting. Yep. They are preparing for the election two years down the road, mm-hmm. which we know Stacy's going to probably be running for governor again. That mm-hmm. we've got to defend the Senate seat that was an appointment, so it's going to be up for grabs again in two years. I think that's one our seat, but correct me if I'm wrong. So we're going to yeah. have to fight this all over again in two years and recognize. So if if I had the ear of Joe Biden right now, the number one thing I'd say is you need to make voting rights your centerpiece agenda the same way that Obama made health care his. Agreed. You need to go down as the president who made voting rights his number one thing after COVID. Obviously, Absolutely. Obviously, we got to deal with COVID. But right now, to protect this democracy, you've got to protect voting rights. Agreed. I don't give a damn about the economy. I don't care a damn about infrastructure, all that other stuff yep. has to come and can only come with the protection of voting rights. I agree with you on that. I one. need to lower my temperature. I need to switch gears because I'm, I'm, my blood pressure has gone up too high. I'm
0: so sorry about you that. Know let I'm, a- I, I'm sorry, but let me just throw in that. It's, it, I absolutely agree with you and I am all the way in. What we have to make sure of is the progress that we have made, that we don't let them put the toothpaste back in the tube. So whatever it is that they try with any kind of new legislation, because they were still trying. All of this, you know, favorite sunning that they were doing of Raffensperger, the secretary of state here in the state of Georgia, where they made him look like he was a champion of the voting because he was standing up against Trump and all of the objectioners to the the Georgia vote. At the exact same time, he and his minions were still suppressing the Georgia votes. They were still reducing the number of ballot boxes. They were still reducing the numbers of precincts. They were up to the day of January 5th still trying to purge people from the voting rolls. So we have to make sure that we continue to build on the fight and that we don't even allow whatever new legislation they think they're going to try to pass, that we still show up in even greater numbers so they still don't win. But what I do believe is that 2022, in the state of Georgia and in other states that take on the strategies, the mechanisms, and the momentum that, that Fair Fight and New Georgia Project and all the other organizations that have done such an amazing job of turning Georgia blue and purple around the edges, is that as those other states are taking that on, we even have to step it up even higher. So that's what I know is that we have to keep doing that because 2022 is going to be the next phase of this reckoning that's just going to keep going on until they finally lose and start participating with the rest of us the way this nation should be operating.
1: I said I wanted to lower the temperature and my blood pressure. So you know I'm an advocate for calling in. I call in people who have done wrong. I don't think people's one mistake should blow up their lives. But I swear, I feel differently right now about Trump and his terrorists. I don't necessarily wanna call them in. You know, there's some people you can work with and there's a whole lot of people you need to work around. And so I'm trying to reconcile this this thing I got from Reverend Vivian, from Reverend C.T. Vivian, that when you ask people to give up hate, you need to be there for them when they do. I got this in my heart. I got this in my soul. But my head is saying, F these people. F these people. Help me call myself in so I can call these people in, Davon. Because it is working at my soul to try to give a pass to Trump's terrorists.
0: I want to, Loretta. (laughs) Because I'm with you. I want to do that. But there are some points, for example, when you're dealing with, for example, people who have deep addictions and they have to hit rock bottom first, so to speak, before they themselves recognize the change that they need. If you call in and call in and they still can't hear because they have not yet hit their bottom, then they need to be called out. And I'm okay with canceling them. I'm okay with canceling them from their positions of power. I'm okay with canceling them from whatever uh, benefits they enjoy from their jobs, even those uh, that don't necessarily impact me or represent me. I'm okay with helping them find their bottom so that they can be called in and worked with in a different way. But when you see the red fervor in the eyes of those people who stormed that Capitol, I scroll TikTok and I see the madness that's coming through in their faces. They are not the call-inables. They are not. They are not there yet. They Because they still see a way forward with their very individual-focused right-wing white supremacy. They've been living in this state of privilege and in this false vision of a white America for way too long. The calling in... Is gonna be with their next generations. It's not gonna be with them because they're they're too far gone. They are. That's okay. the word. That's the word. They are too far gone, and so they need to be called out and or canceled. Period.
1: Well, speaking of their next generation, I was actually encouraged by the 2020 November vote because every white segment of America voted for Trump except for one, the 18 to 29 year olds, mm-hmm. white kids. They voted for freedom and the future. They did yep. not want to refight the Civil War. They saw their futures being on the line because of white supremacy. And I'm really encouraged because just like we got their kids through the music, through the culture, now we got their kids through their votes. Yes. And they're gonna be voting our way for generations, for generations. And so they're fighting a losing cause. We wanna talk about a lost cause? This is the lost cause of white supremacy, but it's happening now in the 21st century and not in the 19th. And I'm sorry it took this damn long.
0: And that's what I think that was exactly what I was going to say, is that what we are up against right now is people who are fighting for the past. And what we are is about fighting the politics of the past and we are fighting the politics of the future. So the future is now when it comes to our young voters across all demographics, but especially our white young voters and the rest of them are voting in the past or in the current times that, because that's as far as they can see, that's as far as they can see because well, the future, well, what do you say, the future scares the hell out of them. So what do you say about all these black
1: uh, opportunists and opportunists of color who say, well, I'm voting because Trump was good for the economy. He was good for my taxes. He was good for my politics on abortion. He was good for my religion. What are we going to do about them people? Those people made a deal with the devil, and now they need to be held accountable for that deal. The devil's going to get his due, but I want some due right now.
0: Well, I I think a couple of things are going to happen. First of all, the uh, people that they're aligned with now don't see them the same way we do, and they will cancel them first. So let them find out. (laughs) Let them find out the hard way that I don't care what your politics are. You're still black. You're not one of us. So you need to get somewhere and they're going to be left out in the cold. So what's going to happen is that that might be the only place and the only way where we're able to call them in. Because let me tell you something, those black folks. I bet you they couldn't have stormed that Capitol the same way if they weren't surrounded by thousands and of if white people. even if they had MAGA gear, they wouldn't have gotten that far. And they damn sure wouldn't have gotten there with guns, right? So, And they know this. They know this. Let me tell you something. Just bring it back to me. I'm a fierce, longtime activist, right? And I'm talking act-up activism, where people were tying their bodies to doors of the CDC and climbing all up on the buildings of the FDA and the NIH and all of that, right? My answer was, I'm going to keep my placard. I'm going to be out here on the street. I'm going to let y'all go and do all of that because y'all go to jail and we go to prison if we survive. So that's how it's going to be for them. These black folks going to realize that they're going to have to come home. That's it. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't have a plurality. Of politics. I'm not saying that black folks shouldn't be able to vote along all of the, you know, if you're a conservative, if you're a social conservative, if you don't believe in all of the same things that I believe in, that's okay. Let's battle it out at the ballot box. But what you are not going to do is side with the slavers and the slave master's sons. You are not going to do that. We will not allow it. And just like Black Mamas gonna always do, we gonna snatch you up by your drawers and bring you back in and make sure you sit down and hear what the truth really is. That's what's gotta happen. Opportunism is only gonna take you so far because you cannot take it with you when you die. So you're gonna have to make some decisions along the way. And what I do believe though, what I do believe is that the long vision of this move towards, this fascist move towards uh, minority rule and towards the end of this free democracy that we're supposed to be building, that that is actually a short-sighted view for the future of our entire country and for human existence. I mean that. If they're not ready to deal with a a pandemic that's in your face, then they're certainly not ready to deal with the climate. They're not ready to deal with health care. They're not ready to deal with what dumbing down our population means. What I said the other day was 11-9-2016 was the day that began the end of the United States as a superpower. And what happened this week was they put their foot on the pedal and have accelerated it. And if that's where those black folks want to take it, we're not going to let them.
1: Well, you know, Stevie said a long time ago you you might have the cash, but you can't cash it in your face.
0: Well, there it is.
1: (laughs) Now, I want to close this show By just bringing myself back into the present, bringing myself into understanding that we have a mission to build a human rights movement, which means respecting the humanity of everybody, even people who are addicted to white supremacy as their drug. We have to conduct the struggle with the dignity that we owe to the struggle and the martyrs who have come before us. So no, I have to honestly say, I'm not into going around like the MAGA people and terrorizing people in their homes. I'm not into threatening school children on their way to school just because their daddy's an asshole. Mm-hmm. I'm not into, you know, take, pulling refusing health care for someone just because they were stupid enough not to wear a mask. I'm not into that kind of petty transactional vengeance
0: mm-hmm. because
1: it's our human rights vision not, is not bigger than that. Those kind of tactics aren't worthy of the human rights world we want to build. And so I want to close by saying, I'm going to try to come off of my anger. I'm going to try to come off of everything. I know we've got a long, long way to go. I really can't even talk about human rights without explaining to people what human rights are. Because most people only think of human rights as civil rights. You know, the right to be free from discrimination. But there's eight categories of human rights to which we're all entitled. There's civil rights, the right to be free from discrimination. Just like the disability rights movement is a civil rights movement because they are still being discriminated against. The queer, trans, gay, and lesbian movement is a civil rights movement because they're still being discriminated against. But the second category is called political human rights, which should be about the freedom to vote, the freedom of speech, the freedom to have your votes counted, the freedom of association. And then there's economic human rights, the right to have our economies managed in such a way that it meets the needs of the people and not only the needs of Wall Street. Because why is Wall Street making billions of dollars in the middle of a pandemic? Because their needs are prioritized over the needs of the people. And then there's social human rights, the fourth category, the right to have our human needs met, our need for clean air, for food, for water, for shelter, for health care, for education. Those are human rights that are violated every day in the United States. And I'm so happy that people are now saying workers rights are human rights. Healthcare care is human rights. Women's rights are human rights. Gay rights are human rights. I'm so glad that 20 years ago we started a U.S. human rights movement here led by women of color that put human rights into the lexicon of our social justice movement. The fifth category is called cultural human rights. Right to practice the religion of your choice, to speak the language of your choice, but the right to practice your religion also comes with the human right to be free from other people's religions being imposed upon you. So we in the women's rights movement and the reproductive justice movement understand that I have the right to control my body and not let somebody else's religion tell me what to do with it. And that's an important human right, the cultural human right, and environmental human rights. We are just talking about climate change or the right to, to have us participate in the Paris Accord, on and on. These are environmental human rights, but the right to clean water, the right to air, the right to not have our children ingesting lead in these old apartment buildings, you know, these food deserts, all of those things. And then developmental human rights, the right to control our own natural resources, just like the people in the Global South are demanding the right to develop their own economies using their own natural resources and not have them expropriated by transnational corporations of the West and sexual rights, which is my favorite.
0: Not more than <laughs> because, mine.
1: Because these are the rights demanded by the women's movement starting in the 1970s where we determine who, when, if and when we marry, if and when we'll have children, the right to sexual pleasure, the right to bottom body autonomy, and gender identity. These are human rights. Now, those are the eight categories that exist right now. But there's a ninth one that I think we need to pay attention to. And with this rise of social media and the damage that they can do because they're not being regulated, is digital human rights. We're going to have the right to not have these social media platforms determine the fate of people's lives and democracies mm-hmm. and, and freedom around the world. And so I just had to do this quick human rights education because I mentioned human rights and I never mentioned it without telling people what their human rights are so we can claim them.
0: That's right. And I love that you've added this ninth digital human rights because it's not only about how they are able to use these platforms to control policies, to control politics and to control the environment uh, and the economy but they're also able to control our minds they're also changing and 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 boxing people in that there are all of these silos that folks get strapped into now that there are ways that by using our digital footprints to actually imprint in uh, thoughts images and uh Expressions as well as impressions in our minds, especially in our children. So a lot of this is about our human rights to be individually protected, not just our privacy, right, but our mentality has to be protected in terms of these digital spaces. The the piece that I think uh, is so powerful about using this human rights framework in this is that it gives us something to not only build on nationally, but it gives us something to build on globally. That is the same way that we have seen these insurgences, these anti-immigrant issues that are coming up everywhere, not just in the United States, these anti-black and police brutality issues are coming up everywhere, not just in the United States, that there are all of these um, kinds of fascist moves that are happening, that we also have to have a collective human rights response. And so I wanted to come back around to how we started this out with, Black women, especially in Georgia, but black women are pissed, right? Is it just black women in the US that are pissed about what's going on? Or is no. it Exactly? And so that's what I think there's there's a there has to be another part of our strategy to build some global solidarity and practice among black women who are pissed everywhere so that we are learning how to use our strategies from different places to hold folks accountable and to end these oppressions where we are right and where our sisters are so that's that's the other piece about being able to use the human rights a framework that you described bringing in of course you know i wouldn't be here if i wasn't bringing in the sexual reproductive justice framework which is where most of us are abused and oppressed on a regular everyday basis and if we're not in that specific realm it's where it comes from in the workplace you know, on the streets, in our social media, in our pop culture, wherever it is, it starts with the subjugation and oppression of women by our bodies and by our expressions and by our presence and by the fact that and if it comes all the way down to it for those who do and can give birth, that because we can bring life, we are the biggest threat to them ever. And if we're not using that, then we are not using every tool we have in our arsenal to say, not here, not today, not ever. Well, I want to bring
1: my audience's attention to two things that I want to give a shout out to. Because first of all, I owe honor and praise to Sister Song, my former organization, that collective of women of color who come together to put reproductive justice on the map. But also, I want to bring into this conversation Women Now and the exciting work that we're doing to have these virtual forums around the world starting on January 29th. Why don't you tell us what Women Now is doing and where Women Now comes
0: from, Days On? So, Women Now is just one of those vehicles that's doing just what we just talked about, that we are building a base of solidarity among women of African descent around the world, looking at the intersections of these challenges in not just in our sexual and reproductive health and rights as we have traditionally looked at it, but how are these issues showing up in pandemics, like HIV, like COVID-19, or like uh, maternal mortality and all of these other places where because of the violation of all of those human rights uh, categories that you just uh, ran down for us, beautifully, by the way, thank you for that, that because of the ongoing, consistent, nonstop assault on all of our human rights, that our basic sexual reproductive health rights and justice are under assault as well every day. And so Women Now is a gathering for us to examine those issues, to find our common elements, to even look at where we're diverse in terms of those local issues that we're experiencing and how we can support each other around the movements in the local. But what are we finding as those common experiences that we can build a global movement, have an agenda that's going to resolve some of these issues for black women everywhere because you know what i say if you fix these issues for black women then you fix it for everybody because not only are we the ones who are always out front coming back around to the Stacey abrams and the loretta j rosses of the world where we are out front leading these fights and fixing some of these issues while we're still the bottom bricks in the wall and when you have a wall right you can knock off the top of the, the top bricks you can just chop them off all day long all you do is White women, young queer people, all you do when you chop those bricks off at the top of the wall is you make the brick, the wall shorter. When you start knocking out the bricks at the bottom, the whole thing crumbles and we are not going to be crumbled. It's not happening on my back because we have built, we have birthed humanity And we're just going to do what we have to do, which is to save humanity, even if it's just saving ourselves first. That's what Women Now is about, bringing us all together, holding these conversations, building our common agenda, growing our solidarity and changing things locally, regionally and globally for black women everywhere so that we change things for everybody
1: everywhere. That sounds like a call to action. Where can they find out more information?
0: So more information about the upcoming Women Now North America Virtual Summit that's going to be taking place January 29th, 11 a.m. Eastern Time. Uh, You can find that information at womennow.world. I love that. WomenNow.world, which will be our new website launching January 15th. Look for that. And you can also find a lot of information about our previous Women Now summits at SisterLove.org. So I'm just excited about the fact that there are women of African descent in every corner of this planet who have had interest in finding out how to reach and work with and build solidarity with women of African descent in other corners of the planet and that we're taking this opportunity and this time to create that space so that they can do that.
1: Well, I wanna thank y'all and thank you particularly Dazon for joining Dread Feminist Podcast with Loretta J. Ross. I am so honored and privileged to work with you and to work with a fabulous group of people that are changing the world one movement at a time, one human right at a time. But we're going to rock this sucker. Thank you, Davon.
0: Thank you, Loretta. And if I could just say, y'all don't know, if you haven't had that experience, there is nothing better in the world than having your best friend also be your best mentor. You just can't imagine the fulfillness as the Rostadum would say, you cannot imagine the fulfillness and how much appreciative love I have for being blessed enough to have a Loretta J. Ross in my life who guides me, leads me, but also takes care of me and supports me and is the sister, the big sister that i never had because I'm the oldest. So I also want to thank everybody for listening today, for tuning in and for sharing what you're hearing with the Dread Feminist with Loretta J. Ross podcast. And I just want to make sure that you know how this is even brought to you. Today's Dread Feminist with Loretta J. Ross podcast has been brought to you by our host and executive producer, Loretta J. Ross. The producer, Mm me, Dazon dixon Jallo. Our music, Feeling Your Vibe, comes to you from Michael Ward out of New Orleans, Loretta's favorite nephew, and an amazing violinist, if I may say. And we've also been assisted by our production assistants, Tatiana Anaki, Natalio Casanueva, and Robin Lucas. And the program is edited and managed by Sam Fuqua and Jess Rao. Dread Feminist with Loretta J. Ross podcast can be found at LorettaJRoss.com. You can listen to us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you find your favorite podcasts. And, of course, you can follow Loretta J. Ross on all the big socials, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And with that, we thank you for listening.